0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is a 40k podcast that focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. P.D. Pob, and with me I have the one, the only, the great Ricio, Patriarch of Frontline Gaming.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. is a fictional character. My name is Reese, <laughs> and I'm very real.
0: That's uh, the what Riccius. he wants us to think. Uh, and that, yes. the, the sultry tones you just heard... Uh, Or Mr. Archon Scarry. Out of the webway, I strike. And then finally, we have the man, the myth, the legend, Keith. I'm the best league coordinator in the world, Barry.
2: I'm just a pleb. It's
0: just a pleb. (laughs) Anyways, we brought Keith on for a very specific reason. Also, uh, Reese and Scarry to talk about some alternatives to playing 40k with your friends, And that is what this episode is going to be all about. But before we go into that, first and foremost, if you want to check this episode out and other amazing 40K, competitive 40K episodes, go to FrontlineGaming.com, FrontlineGaming.org. Check out the Frontline Gaming Network where we have all sorts of good content. You can buy stuff. You can order all those FLG mats that you wanted. Now that you're stuck at home, nothing to do. We do highly recommend hopping into our web cart. It's very fun. So, to add items to your wed cart and then buy them. If not, then of course you can listen to 40k Stat Center, Chapter Tactics, Signals from the Frontline, and if you're feeling spicy, you can listen to the Art of War and get better at 40k.
3: Didn't you guys just release a really cool new mat?
0: We did. It's kind of lame, actually. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking because Reese loves it. Uh, but it's the really cool Gothic Cathedral mat. Uh, it's got some lighting effects on it, which I thought kind of blew my mind a little bit. Um, but it's a very, very pretty, Matt. Uh, Reese, is there any fun stories behind that, Matt? Nope. Just nope. kind of <laughs> <Matt. laughs> very, very apropos with the sisters'
1: uh, reinforcements that came out. That's it.
0: Yeah, right on. So get that mat app from like. Greece has spoken.
3: Work. The mat is for Sisters of Battle. <laughs>
4: well, awesome. well, well, whoa, 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 whoa! And it, everyone it be used, else.
3: Yeah.
1: It <laughs> could be used with armies like Sisters of Battle. Let's not oh, jump the conclusions. There,
4: sorry. <laughs> yeah.
3: By the way, I was wondering to ask do you do you also do like two by twos for games like DBA?
1: Um. This we do a variety of sizes. We don't do two two by two yet.
0: Okay. Yeah.
3: Let me know when you do.
0: Also, if you want to support the podcast, go to patreoncom tactics. Uh, all the patrons get access to all sorts of good goodies, groups, list advice, and so much more. Also, patrons get entered to win a free monthly prize—or not a free, but a, a monthly raffle prize. Uh, this month's prize is going to be a uh, very a roll of toilet paper, maybe not an entire roll, maybe a couple sheets, um, you know, a couple squirts of hand sanitizer. <laughs> uh, no, I am I am just joking. It's actually going to be a hobby kit. Uh, so uh, we're going to be giving away a hobby kit. I have uh, actually an abundance of hobbies, hobbying supplies that I've collected over the years here at my house. Don't worry, they're all really good quality. Uh, I've also bought some, some order, made some orders online. So if you want to get your hobby on, go to patreon.com slash chapter tactics for a chance to win. It's going to be something really good, I promise. It won't just be one brush and ultramarines blue a citadel ultramarines blue pot half used i promise that's be all a lot you need to make an ultramarines army that is that is true that is, <laughs> that is all i use but anyways <laughs> uh moving on of course uh you're once again you're uh probably at this point hourly uh warning about uh the coronavirus covid19 just remember to uh, self-isolate if you're doing that be wary of people who who are um can be affected by it. Uh, it is asymptomatic in most people. Um, of course, like last week, I'll reiterate those symptoms. we are looking for fever, dry cough, and uh, just basic basic uh, you know, small flu-like symptoms. Um, so just remember to watch out for that and be safe. Uh, also, don't buy all the toilet paper. I know who it is. <laughs> it's all the Dark Angels players.
4: That's why it. why playing... is it the it Dark agrees.
0: Angels players? We will never know, Reese. That's the why they're Dark Angels players. Scary. Magnus whoa. dressed as a Dark Angels player. Scary.
1: <laughs> I was in the Boy Scouts. I didn't become a Boy Scout. I made it all the way to Weebelos. so I am highly prepared to take care of my uh, bodily functions with or without toilet paper.
2: All right. There you go. Yeah, hey, you Reese. Always... When were you in the Boy Scouts? 1950.
1: I was one of the founding members. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but Boy Scouts of America, Troop 3, Mexico City over here. This
1: was before it, it was America. It was uh, Boy <laughs> Scouts of the Colonies.
0: <laughs> well, I, I ran out of toilet paper a week ago, so I finally got my, my Tabo, which is my uh, Filipino butt cleaner that she used to clean herself. <laughs> Um, so so Costco be...
3: goes out and says, hey, you know, people are buying all the toilet paper. Let's put the bidets next to the toilet paper aisle.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's smart marketing. marketing. That,
3: that is Clever, I like, clever marketing. I like
1: how every expert is saying don't hoard toilet paper. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it makes Please. no difference
0: whatsoever. Please, water Did bottles. Did you guys hear about the,
2: the brother that um, – Bought seventeen thousand things of hand sanitizer. Was planning on selling it at a jacked up rate. I did. I did see the meme. I did
0: see the did see the Facebook meme. I haven't fact checked it. However, I wouldn't be surprised if people are trying to capitalize <laughs> on this mass hysteria uh, that is going on. Um, so, and and I guess we'll actually move on with that. Like I said before, I'll reiterate one more time. Just have a level head. I know I'm talking to forty k players, so I know you're the most level headed. Positive, results-oriented fan base out there. We're not Star Wars fans. We we are intelligent oh, low human man. beings. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a <laughs> as a Star Wars fan myself. I can say that. Um. Uh, so, um, but yeah, just remember just remember to be safe um, and uh, you know be a uh, responsible human being. Okay. Also, uh. Sorry, I'm I'm pausing there. I did hear the chopping too. What was that? Yeah, Scary. What are you What so are that's you me.
1: doing
3: over there? <laughs>
0: <I'm> <laughs> uh, i will mute. I'm. You know what I?
3: I'm doing chop, chop, <laughs> chop, chop. <I'm laughs> this is what happens when He's you self-isolate and you have nothing to do. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is just chop all day. this is me. <laughs> I'm whittling down bamboo skewer sticks to make little pointy sticks for my Roman traveling camp for my ancient battles game.
0: Well, as long as it's something productive.
1: We should have saved that for the actual cast.
3: That's great. Oh, it's 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 going into the podcast.
0: The listeners are still listening. Hi, listeners. I I have been
3: told. I have been told to mute. Bye.
0: Yeah. So, um... (laughs) So if you, if you were listening to this, just keep an eye out for the scary Chops. Um, whoever counts them out correctly gets a cookie. So but anyways, um, moving on from that, uh, uh, finally, and um, this is the biggest kind of a PSA that Reese and I have, and that is you may not host ITC tournaments on Tabletop Simulator. It was actually a, me- a question I've gotten a couple of times. Uh, I don't know who times. floated it. Who floated it around? Reese got a lot more questions than I do. Um, we are going to talk about alternatives to 40k events um, and how you can get your 40k fix uh, and still get that tournament competitive mindset or that com- those competitive games going. However, tabletop simulator ITC events is not the answer. Uh, I don't think I need to explain it further, but Reese, just in case, can you so eloquently tell them why?
1: As much as uh, we love to trust each other in this community, and we do, when you dangle the carrot of uh, easy points, sometimes people will jump on it. Um, I'll say this, it's the, it's the 99-1 rule. 99% of us would use it correctly, 1% of us would abuse it, and um, perhaps farm points with fake events, which would be impossible to verify uh, whether or not they were there or not. So we decided... It's too much of a departure from what we do, and it's too easy for people to take advantage of, given the current circumstance. So we decided not to use Tabletop Simulator. And plus, there's a barrier to entry. Like, Someone may not have internet. They may not have a computer. They may not know how to use it, yada, yada, yada. So it's too much of a departure.
0: Yeah, I'm not even sure there are 99 people in our community who can actually play Tabletop Simulator. Um, Everyone I talk to has no idea... But everyone's aware of it. It's um, very interesting. I think actually, I actually have a theory that 40k players will not actually play 40k or do something unless they have to spend hundreds of dollars first just to get the rules for said thing. Um, so free MMOs, uh, you know, and it's fantasy sports that are free. Definitely not. I think I think 40k players, I think we're just hardwired just to throw tons of money at things before we actually get into them. And that includes Tabletop Simulator. All right. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, main topic. So first and foremost, I brought a specialist on this episode, and that is Mr. Keith Barry. If you have no idea who he is, he's going to pretend to be humble. Ignore that. He (laughs) is the league organizer, one of the league organizers, um, I would even argue the head league organizer of the San Diego 40K League. That's something we've talked about on Frontline Gaming. If you listen to Signals from the Frontline, if you've listened to previous episodes of Chapter Tactics, uh, and it is widely regarded by a lot of tournament organizers to be one of the largest, more prestige 40K leagues out there. Uh, I, myself, and was very very happy to be a part of it. It was a very very large league. Got up to three figures, uh, which for a league is huge, or close to three figures, which for a league was very very huge, uh, and consistently pulls in major level numbers um, for a 40k league. Uh, so Keith has put a lot of hours and effort into uh, kind of perfecting a formula that I now see being run all over California, here in Las Vegas, and other TOs as well have reached out to me or him to ask about it to run their league. So 40K leagues have been growing. Um, Also, I'll attribute that a little bit to Reese uh, when basically – uh, the ITC kind of stepped up and said, okay, these are the we're going to allow 40k leagues to score ITC points, um, and we're just going to do it in a very, very specific way. I think that also opened the door for a lot of people to take 40k leagues. However there's still some uh, lacking. There's still some people who who haven't done it, or there's still some communities where there aren't any 40k leagues. And so that's what this episode is going to be about. It's going to be about going over what a 40k league is, how to properly run one, especially now um, with COVID-19 running around and, and with people self-quarantining. Uh, I personally believe that it is a very, very good alternative to going to 40k events. Obviously, if you're infected or if you're sick, uh, you shouldn't go out and play people physically physically in 40k, however, if you are not in, um, you you still want to limit your <clears throat> li- limit your um, exposure, then leagues are the best way to go. You can play at someone's house. You can play uh, in a store that's um, maybe in a quarantined area of the store. Uh, more importantly, you- you're flexible with who you get to play, and you're only playing one other person. Uh, you're not going to a large store. You're not going to a big event um, where you can easily expose yourself and others. So. I, I think it's a great alternative. Uh, so, oh, we're also going to talk about playing in 40k leagues. So, if you're a, a 40k league player, uh, we'll take, talk about some of our own personal tactics, um, beliefs, things like uh, list or locking in lists, locking in factions, things like that. All that good stuff. So, it's going to be a really good league focused episode. Uh, but first, for before we do that, Keith, I, I want to kind of open the floor to you. Uh, what are what is a 40k league? And uh, tell them tell everyone a little bit about how you run your forty K league uh and how it's grown so much.
2: Thank you, Pablo. Yes, yeah, so my I started uh taking over the league responsibilities about two and a half years ago when the store owner we had about twelve or so regulars of kind of mixed skills, mixed um ideas how they wanted to play the game. And he's and the store owner told me, Hey, we need to kick this in shape. So I partnered with another guy at the time and eventually started acquiring other organizers that filled specific roles for me over time. Um, <clears throat> so over, overall, we've had about 151 unique individuals participate in my league at any point in time. And the last one, uh, we had 60 people. We haven't quite hit hundred triple figures in one league yet, but we'll get there at some point. So uh, the way we run our league is we... We put every people into a ranked pod system. What that means is I have each pod at about 8, eight to 12 players. Um, within those pods, they'll be ranked. So we'll say the tournament-focused players will be at the highest rated pod. That way, they're playing against people who have the same skill set, same idea of how they want to play the game, and they could practice their skills against equally skilled players. Uh, then at the low end of the spectrum, we'll have some of the p- people who are either new to the game or um, just want to play casually and everybody else in between. So they get the games that they want. Now, in between leagues, uh, based upon how well those players did, we'll either promote them up or, you know, drop them down a pot or so, so they can be where they need to be. Um, so we, we've learned quite a bit through the course of our league and and how to best handle this. Uh, lots of aches and pains for being kind of the first league to do stuff like this. But, um, I think we we ultimately found a pretty good winning scenario that is pretty evenly distributed for everybody. One thing I'll admit that we, we learned kind of the hard way with at least Reese at the beginning. Um, it's not a good idea to artificially implant people where you think they should belong, because you'll just hurt some feelings. It's better just to start them at the bottom and let them earn their way up. Um, but I was definitely glad to have Reese and, and such came along. Um, I'll have to admit a lot of our success in building this league as as large as we have is, is my store is very central in San Diego, at least in the 40k uh, community out here in, in San Diego. It's very central in, in Miramar. And uh, over time, as word of mouth started to, to sprinkle around our community, we started to absorb players from so their surrounding stores that weren't overly catering well to to their communities. So um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely a lot of where our success came from. Um,
1: like, um, like our the Frontline Gaming Store League, we just basically gave you ours and said, like, why don't we just work together?
4: <laughs> yep. And
1: you can absorb us like a like an amoeba, because <laughs> like I, we've always been of the mindset that it's better to cooperate than compete in almost every scenario. So yeah, we were just like, take take us, myself and Frankie and. Everybody that's in our league and we'd rather join together to have one really big, cool league than like a couple fractious little leagues.
2: Exactly. And uh, one of the things that ultimately we we wanted to do, to be fair for everybody, um, instead of just the top three players in the top pod, get all the prize support, because believe me, it ends up being quite a bit when you've got 60 plus people playing in, in one two month league. Um, we, we tried to distribute the the winnings as much as we can so that the top two players of each pod will get uh some price support some money coming back towards them um, so we would end up giving out like um uh, uh like 11 to 12 people 14 people would get some price support uh at, at the end of the league uh, which would make it not as drastic as just the top three players like like who you get at a tournament.
1: Well, Keith, why don't you explain what you mean by pods? Because some of the people listening are like have no idea what that means.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So uh, I call them pods. You can also call them divisions. They're just groups of equally skilled players playing against one another. In our formula for the league, we would have eight people per pod or division, however you want to call it. And within those pods, there are seven other people, uh, eight when you include yourself, that you could play against we would actually schedule only five of those people for you to play against with leaving two extras at the end. Um, those two extras, you could have, we call them ringers. They're kind of like stand-ins just in case your schedule can't mix with one of your regularly scheduled opponents. Then you call on one of these ringer guys on the side, same skill level, same skill set, and you could play them as a score on the side that we would or, uh, implant towards the end of the league to fill any gaps. Um, and that's how we would use our pod system. And this is
0: this is supposed to kind of uh, replace a 40k event, <laughs> so to speak, or or offer an alternative to an organized event. Um, but what, what's the rationale for organizing people in the pods versus just making like a, a flat 40k tournament?
2: So uh, at least with the league, there's so much. Since we're we're playing these games over the course of two months. Especially right now, in eighth edition, so many rules can change on a week-by-week basis. Uh, with a tournament, you can say say with the same rule set for the whole weekend and be just fine. But from week one to week eight, we could have two Codexes come out, three FAQs, and sometimes even a chapter approved. Uh, the the army lists, the the yeah, everything can change so drastically from that one person's ideal list. So. Um, Playing in a format like this allows players to um, have a structured uh, format that allows them the flexibility to adjust as the meta changes uh, through the course of the league, or or if they don't like that unit that they bought that they thought was amazing. If suddenly it's not great, they can drop it. Not a big deal.
0: Okay, so hold that thought, because that, that is definitely something we're going to revisit in the podcast as well. That's actually something that is... Um, probably the most controversial when it comes to running 40k leagues that I've seen and that's the idea of how much uh, how much preparation do you allow players and uh, in, in ter- how much flexibility uh, it's a very very interesting and actually t- goes into a lot about uh, theory or uh, event theory and uh, play theory that's super cool but before we go on to that uh, Skari and Reese do you agree with, with my statement and, and I am arguing that a 40k league right now is probably the way to go if you want to run some sort of 40k event. Uh, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with, uh, and in fact, most states won't even allow you to run 40k events, which is um, why we're seeing a lot of events cancel, Depticon included. Um, so, is is a 40k league something that people should start actively looking into right now, or do you think maybe that's that's just we should just focus on uh, self quaranting and painting models? Uh, I'll start with that.
3: I think you, if you are going to meet with someone, you, you should definitely be very wary of not just you know uh, what your situation is, but also in terms of like you know what people you are around and that if you were to get infected, um, you know who you could infect. Essentially, I think that's probably the most important. Secondly, depending on who you're playing in the league, right? Is that person somebody who? you know, has a job that has them traveling or around large crowds or, you know, things like that. Personally, I, I, I'm I probably not even going to be scheduling any games, even one-on-one, mostly for the safety of my family. Um, you know, however, as we start seeing the, the virus abate, I think it's definitely a very good alternative to being able to play games and, and get scores in instead of having to you gather with another, you know, 60 to hundred people in a tight, confined space, definitely safer in the, in the short term. Mm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with Scari and I think ultimately the big, the big question that's on everybody's mind is, you know, what's the appropriate thing to do. And there's a lot of uh, misinformation. There's a lot of uh, lack of information. A lot of people are just scared and that's all totally reasonable given the circumstances. And if you look at what the, the CDC is telling us to do, if you're in an area that's, that's at risk, uh, if you're in the United States of America, the federal government has said try to avoid gatherings of 10 or more people. A lot of states have said anything above 250 people or 40 people you should avoid. And so that kind of eliminates a lot of 40K tournaments, right? So as we've been telling people, you should comply with what the experts are telling you, right? Like the, the ITC doesn't have the ability or the, uh, even the desire to tell anybody what to do. That's never been what we've been about. We don't have the power to do that anyway. But we've been recommending strongly to people to comply with local ordinance for health and safety of, of everybody that's participating in this community. So if you are doing that and you are in an area or a country that this is something that's a reality that we're living with, Uh, which is true of the United States now, and uh, Canada, and most of Europe, and Asia seems like it's kind of coming out of it, but you know we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, That doesn't leave you a lot of options for organized play. So if you're going to play, if you want to play, and you're going to comply with what the CDC is telling us we should do, if you're in a group of 10 or less, or you're playing one-on-one, it's a group of two, the experts are telling us that 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 is okay. So that's what we're recommending for people to, to do, right? And if you're like Skari and you think in good conscience, you don't think that, that even that is acceptable, then by all means, like follow your conscience, right? Like um, that's exactly what you should be doing uh, in this situation. And everybody should be making that decision for themselves based on the information available to them relative to where they're, they're at and what the threats are for them. And if, You know, participating in a league makes sense, which I think for most of us it does unless you are living with someone that's at risk or, you know, any of those other factors that you have to to take into play. That's the best way to scratch the 40K itch, blow off some steam, participate in the community, get some points, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, 100%. I think if you are going to do it and you are in a place where that's a concern, league play is probably the best way to go about doing it.
0: Yeah, and um, I, I, I do want to talk about uh, how to form a league, um, but just to kind of drive home the point, the reason why I decided to record this episode and bring Keith on and talk about this alternative to playing at 40k events is I a picture was shared to me by a friend at a, one of our local stores here in Vegas. And it's not, they weren't 40k players. Um, it, it was Magic players because I, of course, I do play Magic and, and I'm, a part of the magical local scene here. And it was actually a packed store. Uh, And I, I definitely personally would not want to be in a packed store with a bunch of uh, gamers. um, Especially, you know, when you're sitting, you know, three feet across from someone else on a table, uh, you're shuffling each other's cards. uh, There's a lot of coughing, a lot of, you know, even like during the flu season, I would be weary all, you know without the coronavirus thing that that's just um something i personally would be weary of so i what i gleaned from that wasn't that uh wasn't that oh magic players are bad or awful it's just that there are there are going to be people who still want to do what they want to do uh, that that is something that the CD's already said that it is an inevitability. There there will be people who are self quarantining, there, but there will also be people who just go about their daily lives, um, either because they have to, because they have to work, uh, or or they they don't they don't feel like self quarantining is in their own best interests. Um, so having said that, I know that there's there's people who are still going to be trying to be play, playing 40k games. There are still people who are still running 40k events, uh, and and I'm not saying go out and attack them i'm not saying uh that they that you should boycott their events or that they should cancel their events uh but the reality is is that people are going to still want to play 40k uh and if they do if you choose to want to still go out and play 40k and participate the itc i want to offer up an alternative uh, that is i in my opinion overall i think safer and healthier uh for people who want to self-quarantine and want to have that Mm -hmm. option um so Once again, I'm I'm not trying to tell anyone what to do, Uh, I just want to offer this up, and also it's a unique opportunity to talk about 40k leagues, something that I've always been super passionate about, something I've always loved personally, because it was, uh, for a long time, the majority of my games played in 40k were just league games, uh, because it is a very flexible schedule, Uh, I I talk to someone, we get to set up a date and time that I choose, uh, instead of... You're making reservations at a hotel, it's a lot easier. Uh, I get to play around with my army list a lot more and uh, run units I wouldn't necessarily run in a 40k event. Um, and in general, it is a very fun format that isn't, you don't see very often. Still, a lot of people don't have 40k leagues. So, having said that, Keith, you've probably been asked this a trillion times, but I'm going to ask you one more time on this podcast, or actually on this podcast again, what, how do you go about starting a 40k league if you are a passionate individual with a driven 40k community?
2: Local I'll 40k tell you, community. I'll tell you what. What really started me, go, um, what started me off really well in the beginning was being there all the time. Uh, our our gaming nights were always Tuesdays. Eventually, because we grew too large, we also grew on Fridays. But I made it. I made it my mission to be there every Tuesday night. Every time a new face came in. Somebody who maybe I recognize from another store, or just somebody brand new to me, I made sure I introduced myself to every single person there. Hi, my name is Keith. I'm the league organizer. Um, let me know if you have any questions. <clears throat> and um, you just you just got to start being humble in what you're doing, and eventually the word of mouth will definitely spread around. Um, I did. I will admit I did advertise my league quite a bit in some of the local Facebook pages. But you just got to you just got to put yourself out there um, you can put yourself out there. Be humble. What you're doing. Uh, gather a team of like minded individuals that are willing to help you be successful in building the league and you will get there. Um,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And, uh, just to kind of. Run with what Keith was saying, and then one of the reasons why I was we were so happy to because we were trying to build a league at the same time, and one of the reasons why we were so happy to just like feed into his is uh, league play is what brought me into competitive 40K. I've I've been banging this drum for years and decades, actually. And leagues, this could be a silver lining in what what is really a really crappy situation that a lot of us in the world are, are caught in right now, is that league play is the best way to build a local community to sustain a local community and to introduce new players into competitive play, match play, whatever the case may be. Cause in ye old days back in the nineties, when I was a hardcore fluff, like garage play, whatever you want to call it, narrative player, casual competitive player. And I, I was introduced to it. Um, I went to a tournament for the first time after I had been introduced to my local league at the local comic book store when I was just a kid. Right. So I think league play, regardless of the scenario that we find ourselves in is wonderful. And if, if there's any good thing that comes out of this, you know, debacle, and if it's more people get interested to league play and more communities develop leagues that will last for years and years and years. And Keith knows we have a, a league in San Diego that's going on like 15 years long. Uh that's a wonderful thing. That's a good thing. And it's only going to help make the community stronger, sustain itself, introduce more people into, to match play and, and, and help people meet other people that love what they love to make more friends and, and keep the whole thing going.
2: Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. And, go ahead. <laughs> oh, good, Keith. No, I'm dead. Go ahead.
0: Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, what was what do you think was the hardest part about because obviously keith you've been passionate about 40k leagues since you started Since you know like you said you were you were there every night uh you you made an effort to grow the community um what was the hardest part about transitioning from just the store to uh i don't want to say like like a county-wide city-wide league uh, maybe county-wide now it's um, definitely, but, county,
2: definitely, yeah, definitely, it's definitely county. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, definitely countywide. <laughs> uh,
0: so, what was the hardest part about transitioning from uh, local league, which I think I, I think a lot more people run, which, which is the uh, typical league that people think of, which is at the local gaming store on a X weekend or weekday night? Um, yeah, over six week, a six week period, right? What was the hardest part about transitioning from that to a larger countywide league uh, and trying to get more people involved?
2: Honestly, I think the hardest part was trying to make sure I was organized to keep up with how many people we were uh, onboarding every single league, Um, making sure I I had all my names, had all the emails, player emails, um, and ultimately having a product that my players can view so they can track their scores and their progress throughout the leagues. Um, Fortunately, like I said earlier, I acquired some individuals like-minded individuals that can uh, keep up with some of the demands with me, with some of our (laughs) players. And, um, Honestly, it was just I was lucky the word of mouth of how well our league was doing was was what uh, brought everybody in.
1: And Keith, you, you guys have like a badass spreadsheet that you guys yes. use that you can host on Facebook. And I think that's one of the best tools that you have been so gracious um, and generous to share it freely with anybody that asks. Uh, Pablo and I and Frankie are in the local Vegas League here. And they use the exact same spreadsheet that you guys made. Well, maybe you should talk about that because that's, I think, the best organizational tool in tandem with a Facebook group to keep the whole thing organized, to get let, let people communicate and all that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So <clears throat> earlier when I was mentioning I was, I was lucky to acquire some individuals, I acquired an Excel guru who was able to make this whole thing come together so nice and so neat. His name is Cooper Waddell, for those who know him. Um, on it juice. we have Coop Juice. Yep, Coop Juice um, in it we have uh, uh, a couple different tabs that explain different pieces of information or even just the scores for our players um, but pretty much everything that a player might need to know about the league is on that one uh, Google Doc spreadsheet it'll have the league overview with the rules, that have the dates the, the next start date, the next end date the next paid due date, etc. Um, then we have uh, overall player statistics. This is this was the really guru part of it. It keeps track of uh, individual players' wins over the course of however many seasons we've been doing it, um, maybe some of the most losses. Some people really like that part. Um, and then highest average points. I mean, any statistician's uh, best dreams are on this one spreadsheet. And then we have um, individual pod tabs. So the players in pod one can see how well those players are doing on each of their uh, games, each of their opponents are doing, how they're ranked, et cetera. And then the one that does all the magic for us is this one called a, a data sheet. It's mostly just for the, the league organizers and myself. We can input the 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 score once a player, once a, a, a pair reports their scores, uh, say one guy got 37 points, another guy got 21 points. We'll go ahead and put it into the spreadsheet. We'll hit this macro button, wham, bam, zowie. It go ahead and automatically Ranks everybody accordingly to that new score that was put, and then it puts it on the um, uh, appropriate spreadsheet, appropriate tab, so that the other players can view it almost instantly.
0: Wham bam zowie is that bam, the bam, preferred nom- nomenclature for for entering in data?
2: Yes, it's my preferred. I think it that's is I think magic. that's what
0: the Falcon uses. I'm getting you a probably... T-shirt
1: that says Wham Bam
2: Zowie. <laughs> <laughs> Please,
0: <laughs> Wham Bam Zowie. All wham, right, bam, zowie. this uh, is the so... league way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, one thing I think we we might have clarified, but I just want to clarify, uh, is that these leagues, you do have a set time to complete your games, right? So once you're yes. uh, put into a pod, uh, you've got your matchups, you try to talk to your opponents, schedule the games with them, and then you have like X amount of months or weeks to finish all of your games. Keith, in your experience, what is the right amount of time to set
2: so what we started off with the beginning was eight weeks. We give mm-hmm. all our players eight weeks to play five games. That's pretty much all we need. Um, it's give and take, I will, I'll admit. It, 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 my advice to whoever is asking me is, it just depends on how many people you want to put in each pod. Um, give a couple extra weeks. Uh, In our case, you have five games. Give a couple extra weeks beyond that to give your players that much time. I mean, and also eight weeks, two months is a pretty round number. It it seemed a natural fit.
0: Okay, perfect. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about uh, playing in a league now. So there is, as a player in in, uh, multiple 40k leagues now, uh, I've always had a very strict kind of um, uh, preference for what I wanted out of my leagues. I've always wanted a league where I wouldn't have to play at a specific store. Um, that was always a big a big draw for me, playing in leagues. Uh, I always loved the idea of being able to switch your army list in between games. Um, in some cases maybe even switch factions in games. What's kind of uh, your guys's philosophy, and this is for Skari, uh Reese, and Keith as well, what's your kind of philosophy about how leagues should be run in regards to army composition and... Um, kind of the those those intricacies uh, that you run into leagues once you start getting a couple leagues under your belt?
2: I'll go ahead and start with that one. So, sure. in our experience, as I said earlier, because the rules in this edition changed so quickly, um, we felt it was best to give our players the flexibility to modify their armies uh, at will. Um, the only exception, and this, this occurred really early on in our experience of, of governing this league, is that Too much freedom will create scenarios where people will hard-tailor lists against an opponent. Um, One of my teammates who played the Magnus Mortarion list from way back at the beginning of 8th edition uh, played against a guy who had three Shadow Swords specifically for that game. I mean, (laughs) that was a pretty hard lesson for everybody to learn right then and there. So afterwards we we um, adopted itc's original idea of what your primary faction is so the the detachment that has the most amount of points in comparison to other detachments that's where your primary faction is um we kept that uh beyond what when you guys change it to the whole army needs to be pure in order to claim that faction's points but we'll talk about that later um so now a player will will declare i am thousand sons which means that every game that that player person plays The most expensive detachment needs to be 1,000 suns. It doesn't need to be the same composition, but the most expensive detachment has to be 1,000 suns. And that was a way we can kind of the perfect balance between allowing players flexibility, but not allowing hard tailoring. I Uh, think
3: that's something that I've uh, experienced playing in the GTA 40K Masters League uh, in the Toronto region, even though I'm about... An hour and an hour and a half away from the GTA, I was able to sort of participate in the league. Something I really enjoyed was being able to join in, even though I wasn't like, like, local local, which also uh, which meant I had to do a little bit more driving than most people. However, I it was really fun to get to play people who I normally only get to see at tournaments um, on a more consistent basis, and being able to switch the list. I believe the rule was very similar to what you just said that you. Kind of had to have a sort of like a set detachment primary sort of thing, but then you could kind of switch it. And, um, however, I believe that uh, there were if we ever met at a tournament, then and we played someone who was in the league, then that would count as like a league fight if you were both
2: in the same sort of pod, sort of thing. We did the same thing. As long as the players agreed beforehand, if they're scheduled to get to play against one another, uh, then that could be their league game.
0: Reese. No, um, so uh, one thing, one thing I kind of really preferred, and this this is something that's very much the minority, um, and just very specific to me and what I prefer, uh, is we played in a a league called the Masters League, and this was actually when I first started playing forty k. So this was uh before I knew Keith. I don't think it was before Keith was was playing forty k. However, this was like even before I met Reese and Frankie. Um, very very late days of 6th edition uh, basically it was like the wild west Um, you there were no set army lists there was no set factions Uh, it was very much just you were paired against five random people hoping that you were all of equal skill and and you had to know what armies they owned and you had to kind of guess what armies they were going to bring and then on top of that what uh, army you were going to play um, and I really, really enjoyed that. And so I've always kind of enjoyed that kind of Wild West. You have to know everyone in your community um, to be able to to truly do well. Uh, and then, of course, there's always the list tailoring like rock, paper, scissors kind of cat and mouse poker game, um, which I admit is a little silly. So you you would roll up to a table or go up to a guy's house and hide your, your, uh, list, your list and hide the models in your um, case. Or in my case, I would bring like... Half of my collection, so you wouldn't know what my list was just by looking at the case because it was like six thousand points of, of stuff. Uh, and then you would lay out your reveal your list to each other at the same time, and then boom, that that was what you played. Uh, um, th- that is that can also create a very unenjoyable experience. So as a n- new league organizer, I don't recommend going that route. Uh, I'm just kind of you know sharing kind of my old league days, um, but that was a lot of fun. All right, uh, Reese is, uh, Reese, are you here? Yeah. Uh, we, looks like, uh, Reese's mic is muted or, um, we can't hear him. All right. Uh, so anyways, um, Keith, I, I want to talk now about, uh, specific tactics. So I've heard, and, and this goes out to Scary and Reese too, when Reese gets his mic working, um, With in regards to specific tactics, do I've always heard one very consistent complaint from people who play, uh, for example, Tau and Orc players, and that's that if you set your faction to Imperium or even Space Marines, you still have the option of you have a ton of options where you, you can bring, like, if you pick Space Marines Primary, or even Imperium Primary, you can essentially bring any combination of lists. Like, I can bring... You could bring three Shadow Swords if you want. Uh, you could bring Space Marine Hordes. You can bring an unpredictable amount of units and easily tailor your lists to other people's playstyles. Um, so, as a Dark Eldar player, uh, and Skari also as a Dark Eldar player... Uh, how how is it when you're planning your lists? Like, what do you think about when you're making your list? Uh, when you're playing very specific players, how much do you tailor? Because I know everyone tailors their lists a little bit. Um, Pablo,
1: you you got to assume that these Dark Eldar players are going to use every <laughs> underhanded, <laughs> sneaky trick they can possibly come up with. If they didn't. They wouldn't be playing the fashion correctly. Also, god <laughs> darn newfangled technology. I can't figure it out.
2: <laughs> He's back. Came in just in time. Uh, so... <laughs> hey, hey, just so you know, Reese, some grocery stores are opening up a little bit earlier in the day for people like you to go shop without being uh, sick. But not being pestered by whippersnappers? I can't wait. <laughs> uh, so, so uh,
0: but... but uh, to reiterate the question, what, how do you deal with um, Chaos, Imperium, maybe even Eldar Soup or people with large collections that can simply bring whatever they want or, or seemingly whatever they want uh, when you limit yourself to just one faction or if you're a newer player?
3: I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it's a self-regulating system. Somebody who uses those strengths to their advantage to win a lot will end up playing in the higher levels. Um, in terms of pods and will self-regulate because if they because better players will beat them even if they tailor their list too much and then they'll kind of go up and down in the league
2: ladder and i'll admit in our league we actually put a nail on that pretty quick we we don't allow the big umbrella factions to be the primary faction so no eldari no imperium no chaos Um, you have to be at least a codex as your primary um the one thing that's been kind of becoming a bear recently is the space marine codex i mean with each of the little individual um supplements that came along with it each army played so much differently and we did have a player in the top pod that used that to his advantage because he had all the space Marines, and they're all not painted one single well they're all they're painted a color the same color but not one of the more factions so it's not like a yellow faction that's now ultra Marines or something like that he could play the faction, the supplement that was best suited against his opponent. Um, it's been something that we are likely going to tackle, but with the recent FAQ and the Space ring Code uh, supplements, it may not be as necessary as it was just a couple months ago. Um Keith, Now, yes. Are you telling me that uh, gamers
1: will game the system
2: regardless, <laughs> regardless of the system? I mean – Shocking. there are there are a handful not 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 many in my league but there is at least one or two offenders
1: <laughs> yeah gamers will always game I, 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 this is another one of my little maxims if you ever build a system assume that a certain percentage of the players the snyders out there are gonna <laughs> pick pick and poke until they can find a way to make it not do what it was meant to do you
2: shouldn't even get upset about it you should anticipate it and just roll with it. I mean, to nail that home, I had a player accidentally find a loophole in our system and, and accidentally use it to his advantage, completely unaware that this is something that was not supposed to have been happened. It just wasn't written in stone that way. It was almost implied instead of written. But lesson learned. We fixed that loophole. Quotations <laughs> accidentally. No, he really did. He really was true. When, when I read it again, that specific paragraph, I'm like, huh. I could see where he got that wrong.
1: And you always do, right? Like whenever someone reads something that you wrote, because when you write it, you know what you meant. Yep. And you're like, this is the most clear, concise language ever written in the history of the English language or German or Korean or whatever language that, you're, that you speak. And then another person picks it up, instantly goes, oh, this means something different. And you're like, no. And then you read it and you're like, oh. It could.
4: Ah, <laughs> back to the it. old drawing board. <laughs>
3: Spoken <laughs> with the know. true experience of running the ITC for how long?
0: <laughs> too long. Too long. Damn it! He beat me <laughs> too. Anybody
1: else ready to, to take my place? Let me know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> accepting applications.
1: <laughs> Can I, I? I would actually like to put to, to voice a different opinion on the whole league structure. Of course. <clears throat> uh, as somebody who's been playing in league play for forever and ever. Um, and at one point, I was a part of the Games Workshop. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember now. It was, the, the, it was one of the biggest leagues I've ever been a part of. It was three counties. It was Riverside County, Los Angeles County, Orange County. And um, they, the way they structured it was like the NFL. So you had four local games and you had four away games or four home, four away. And so some of your away games were over an hour drive, which I have no problem doing but there was so much anticipation leading up to the game and everybody kind of like knew each other and it was at the kind of the dawn of the internet age of 40K. So people would be comparing notes on forums and all this kind of stuff. And when you would drive, you know, over an hour in LA traffic to go play somebody and you go drive to their house and you show up and they have built a hard counter to your army because they know what you were playing by doing scouting or, you know, recon or whatever you want to call it. And you show up and you're like, why Why did I drive all this way to have a game that's going to be, you know, 90% decided before anybody rolls a die? It really, like, that was my the one thing about league play that really annoyed me. Well, now and, you know
0: how everyone playing the New England Patriots feels.
1: Right, right. They Belichicked me, bro. It's not okay. <laughs> <laughs> they deflated the ball. They were reading my, my, my playbook. It's just... <laughs> and so, like... That that was frustrating, right? And so, like I, I'm of the opinion that there should be more restrictions on lists. Um, like as Keith was explaining, that in the old days of uh, their league, it was like bring whatever you want, whatever you got. And like uh, Pablo, you were describing how you'd show up, and it was like this, like weird game of bluffing. Like you put your models west. out first.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was the wild west. It really was.
1: <laughs> and there's there is, that is fun to an extent. But the more investment that a player puts into it the the more that the downside becomes uh, untenable, right Like when the downside is I invested all this time, energy and effort to just go have to, to just get my just get pounded on uh, that's not enjoyable, and I'm less likely to partic- continue to participate in the league so from my perspective, I think it's better to put sensible limitations like I don't you know it gets a little wonky, but um if your primary faction is X, that one detachment has to be set. Like you have a thousand and one points of iron hands or whatever the case may be. And that part is public. Uh, everybody can see it. You have like a, a quasi sideboard or other, you know, the, the other points you can do whatever you want with, but that way everybody can kind of plan for it, kind of understand what they're getting into. And they don't feel like their investment of time and energy was wasted.
4: Hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think I think there's a balance. I think there's a medium there. And I actually think that Keith's or, or the innovation of the San Diego League to the pod system. I think that helps a lot uh, because you do see the players with the massive collections who can kind of tailor to an extent. Uh, you know, the Coopers of the world, um, Rock Liberties of the world, uh, do rise to the higher pods, and then the newer players. With the smaller army lists or less options available to them, um, do tend to go to the lower pods. Um, so there's a lot of, as Skarri said, self regulation, um, and, and that might be the answer. I, I I don't I don't I won't ever know. Um, if GW slows down their release schedule, I would like to see a large league run like a a locked lists thing, and then maybe shorten the time a little, or or just do something like a cutoff date where anything after you know anything in the six-week period you just don't do however um there were a couple leagues that did that around seventh eighth edition but when when we moved from seventh edition to eighth edition a lot of those leagues like flat out died i was in a part of one league and just no one wanted to play the league because we just moved to a new edition so it was like eh, you know we could play eighth edition uh or we could play seventh edition or we could just start playing eighth edition and focus on the future Uh, So you do have to watch out for that too. So it's it's just a very interesting thing. And the reason why we're talking about all of this is that so you as league potential league organizers or future league organizers uh, just know that there there are some pitfalls you can fall into uh, and there are uh, different things to think about when you're organizing the league. Uh, All right. So uh, what are some for players now? So we're going to move on to uh, players uh, playing in a league as a player. What are some kind of tips that you guys have for playing randos um and like like it's same question earlier do you list taylor a little bit uh, or do you believe that you should play the same list like a tournament uh, that is very much a philosophy that i've seen uh do you list taylor heavily w- what is your kind of strategy going into a league uh you know playing do you do any scouting uh and we'll start with
2: with keith So my philosophy playing in my own league, um, I use my league games as an opportunity to practice my tournament list. So to be quite frank, I didn't tailor. I may change things from here uh, between games, depending on how I felt a unit did well or did poorly. Um, But for the most part, I didn't hard tailor my list or even partially tailor against my opponent. Um, The way I view it is I'm practicing how I'll eventually play in the tournament. I don't want to bring something that's super good against uh, this one particular army, but then doesn't perform well uh, against anything else. Um, So sorry, not a true Dark Elder player, but um, I want to know how I can react, how my army can react against those hard counters or against those nightmare matchups. How am I going to be able to uh, circumvent um, this challenge that's sitting aside from me on the other side of the table? Um, So that that was my philosophy going into my own league games.
0: This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to fifty percent. You'll pay less than five dollars a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com/slash instantink. Spotify. Uh, scarier Reese.
3: So, I'm very much akin to Keith's like philosophy when I'm. Uh, Building and testing and playing with one list, I'm a huge proponent of playing with the same list over and over and over and over again. It's one of the reasons why uh, Mandrakes are cool, hashtag. Um, So you kind of like suck it up when you go and play and I just played the same list, the same, even if it was good, bad, ugly, good matchups, bad matchups, because I was always testing for the next big event. And, uh, you know, Dark Eldar being sneaky aside and, you know, tailoring historically to their opponents to like the molecular level, it would be, um, it's very hard to play an army like the Dark Eldar without proper practice. So you kind of have to make small sacrifices to get better and better with the same list. And uh, that's kind of what I would look at it as.
1: Yeah, I, I would always do the exact same thing, like brazenly, like. I'm not going to – I would uh, declare it. Like, I'm not going to change my list. If you think you can tailor to beat me, bring it on, right? But the three of us, Keith, Scary, and myself, would all say that I think we're we're tournament players first, and we want that ability to test yourself. Can my list handle a hard counter? Can my list, you know, handle a bad matchup, et cetera, et cetera? But you'll find that very frequently in a league, especially as the league gets bigger and more prestigious – it has some history behind it. It's fun. You'll see guys that optimize for the league because for whatever reason, they're not interested in going to tournaments. They can't go to tournaments, like whatever the case may be, that becomes the pinnacle of their uh, scratching the competitive itch. So you'll see guys that are op- in gals that optimize for the the league experience and they'll start dominating. And then the people like, like us that are actually using it as kind of like a practice run for for tournaments will will find themselves uh, at a disadvantage so <clears throat> it's a really interesting equation and i don't think there's an easy solution for it it just depends on what your local metal it, meta is and uh, uh trying to optimize to give the best experience for the people that are participating in your league i don't think there's one easy answer for it but hmm. as a player that's what i always did i always looked at it as practice yeah.
0: well, I'm. I'm actually. I, I guess I, I would say I have a lot less honor than the two Dark Eldar players and the evil Rishio. Uh, <laughs> and you play Space Marines. That's funny. <laughs> and I'm the honorable Ultramarines player. Uh, I oh, Ultramarines supposed to be the most honorable. <laughs> uh,
3: I definitely i do. am uh, Gulliman,
0: take the only the best weapons. You Crush know what? Gulliman would 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 want me to. To use practicals and and get rid of the eliminators when the opponents are running knights and, you know, things like that. But, uh, yeah, I I do list tailor. um, Though the way I build my lists, uh, it's not, I don't rehaul a complete list. What I do is I I run cores instead of lists, so I'll I'll have, like, a 1,200 point core unit uh, or a group of units that I'll always use in a list. Uh, with 800 points of flex or, or 600, 600, 600, or whatever. Um, so that's just the way I, I build my lists. I, I build them in cores and not unit by unit. Uh, so when I list Taylor, it is very much just I look at the cores that just don't work going into the matchup. So like, if if I know I'm playing Orcs or Tyranids and uh, have Lazcannon Dreadnoughts, I'll probably take them out. Uh, and that just comes from my desire to win. Uh, and I hate inefficiencies in lists, right? Like if if something is clearly the most inefficient choice, um, I simply just don't want to use it. So, um, so that that you know what is it is. And then the other thing is that Reese talked about, which is actually really cool, is that yeah, people do. There are people in leagues who I think actually perform better in leagues than they do in tournaments. Uh, so, although Rock Liberty did really well at the LVO this past this year, this past yeah. LVO. Uh, Rock Liberty is one of those guys who does really, really well in in the San Diego League, Um, but in tournaments, his tournament scores don't always reflect his league scores. Um, And that does come from Rock has like a bajillion armies, Uh, and you guys actually had a Rock Liberty rule that you had to implement, which was basically you had to stop him in pod one from being able to switch his army up. Um, yeah, uh, because, it was that game would, I
2: was talking about earlier. That game, Rock yeah, against my teammate, we had yeah, to do something he, about that.
0: Yeah, he would tailor. He would literally pick the faction and then tailor that list towards your faction. Um, which I don't have a problem with, but I do know that if you're if you're a newer player, that can be uh, that that can be very bad. It can be a very negative experience, um, which can affect uh, you know your desire to play 40k, which is overall not great. So uh, you know, as a, as a league organizer, you don't want to stifle the rocks, in my opinion, the rocks of the world, the Pablo's of the world. Um, but you also want to create opportunities for newer players to have fun and enjoy themselves. So there's definitely a balance. Uh, and as Reese said, um, there is no perfect way to handle it. Uh, so it, as I would tell my to's, my lo's, my league organizers out there in the world, uh, monitor your community as you're running the league. Ask them questions. Be uh, easily be easy to talk to. Um, be easily accessible, and just you know continue to adapt, and you, you'll run an amazing league, just like Keith. In in your
3: defense, Pablo, I did want to say you know I this is coming from. A good uh, gaming friend of mine from 20 years ago, his name was Troy. And he he was known to sort of tailor his list, even just in pickup games. Oh. And, uh, you know, but that was, it wasn't a bad thing. Like, it was just made for a challenging game every time you played him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you'd say, well, you tailor Yes. He'd be like, well, yes. If I'm, you know, I know I'm going into the middle of the desert. I'm not bringing my stupid scuba gear. <laughs> so so you know it kind of makes sense from that sense of being prepared like an army would be like you're going to do the special mission so we're gonna send you with the gear you need for this special mission so i like understand like where that comes from
0: yeah well thank you uh all right uh so we're actually going to go ahead and move on to the end of the episode i think that's that's pretty much it do scari uh wreath and case Keith, do you have anything else to add to that about 40k leagues
2: Yeah, there's one more thing that I wanted to, to, I want to say warn, it's kind of a bad word, but those who who are, who want to start, stand up their own league, um, be prepared for the questions to come all the time. Um, Whereas a tournament, you might get all the questions in one or two days, maybe the couple, the the couple days leading up to a tournament, you're going to have to be settling player disputes throughout the year. Um, They don't come as frequently. I will tell you that, but they will always be there. Um, some, one of the, one of my bis- biggest successes is just being as clear as I can, um, as transparent and, um, even just be there, be quick to respond to people. Even if it's just to be like, hang on, let me look into this and uh, we'll get back to you with an answer. Um, and, and that, that, that's all I got. That's my biggest piece of advice mm-hmm. for those who want to stand up.
0: I, I'm definitely guilty of, a Facebook messaging, uh, Keith or, or Cooper um, about the San Diego league for like a quick ruling or, or um, it, I've never gotten as bad as, uh, you know, uh, like a line of sight ruling, like an actual picture. I, I have actually gotten those <laughs> as just working for frontline. People have emailed me bro. or called and they've been like, we're playing an ITC game like right now yeah. and we need a ruling. And I'm like, ah, I'm at work.
1: <laughs> yeah. They're like, they're like, this is urgent, bro. I'm at the table. And you're like, dude, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I got something like that just a couple weeks ago. It was yeah, a, Keith it was gets a jumble time. mess of like unpainted miniatures. And they're like, "This is how he's playing it wrong." I'm like, "I don't even know what's going on." <laughs> I mean, it's just a, <laughs> a pile <of> gray. <laughs> <No>. just,
0: <laughs> that's a really good piece of advice, Keith, uh, for league organizers. Just prepare to be to be um, contacted con- consistently, um, and if you if you don't have the disposition. To handle that, uh, maybe do pull a uh, leaf out of Keith's book and, you know, get some other people to help you. I do I, I, want to say, Keith, you know, what about um,
3: some what would you say to like a tournament organizer or sorry, a league organizer in terms of uh, f- uh, fall off, you know, like attrition rates in terms of players falling off and not playing games and things like that?
2: Mm-hmm. So uh, that ha- actually has been kind of one of our biggest challenges is try to get people to play all five games we do have a pretty good dedicated core. They'll knock them out quick. But one one of the things I try to do is is every week on our Facebook page, I say this is week one out of eight. This is week two out of eight, um, et cetera, and I go down the line. Um, I'll even try to remind people at week four, you should be at least three games in. Um, try to be as vocal as you can about it. And um, as it starts to get towards the end, the, the, the second half of the month, is start messaging some of the people who have played most of their games but might be missing one or two and s- start suggesting that, that play one of their ringer options, one of the other options for their score. Um, in our league, we even allow for for an out-of-pod game to be played, so someone from pod one could play against someone from pod uh, four, but the only exception uh, is the score will not be entered. It'll count as one of your five games for prize support, but your score will not be input, so you, you don't go uh, club and baby seals for easy points easy 42 no. you know um
1: which is again like, a, a demonstration of gamers gaming the system because initially you were like okay to, to accommodate people not being able to get the game you can play one out of pod game and instantly the sharks sought out the yeah. minnows for their oh <laughs> yep. i can't get a game in <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and all of a sudden yeah. like 42 points and you're like whoa <laughs>
2: <laughs> that didn't I mean, did did happen if, one of the cool trends yeah. about doing the the uh, pod system ranking like we do is you rarely, rarely see um, even thirty nine point wins, forty point wins. It it does happen from time to time, um, but ideally, uh, I don't even want to see a single person win all five of their games. Ideally, and that it, and that's starting to become less and less uh, as a likely outcome in any of our pods. Um,
1: Except for Junior, who went on like an unholy yeah. terror.
2: Well, not anymore. He started playing Space raids, and he's not doing too good. Oh, wow. That's funny. Well, let me pull up the score. Uh, let's see. Junior. Uh, he went one and four in this last league. Oh, with oh. his knights. Oh, for shame. I'm going to wow. go make fun of him. I'm going to go make fun of him right team now. Zero team Zero Comp, chat. team
0: captain right there.
1: Yeah. I mean, Keith, Keith, you have to, um, uh, please, you have to talk about the power rankings because that's one of the most fun. Things that okay. you and Coop do, and it helps keep people engaged. It's so, so much fun.
0: So before you go into that, uh, one, one quick topic on, on both engagement and also just a great segue. Good job, Reese. Um, but also uh, on getting people to play their games. Uh, one thing that I saw uh, Ben Nichols do at the San Diego League was was hype up his own pod. Uh, and in general, when people post their scores and then talk about their scores, even just a simple picture and a, like, ha-ha, I beat Reese by two points because my chaplain made 16 out of 16 four-up involvement saves. Ah! Reese sucks. <laughs> 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 even, even something like that, something simple like that, uh, gets people hyped up and, and gets people wanting to, to update their scores, wanting to post. Um, and I have seen that the pods whose people post more – they do tend to finish versus the pods who are like, uh, Keith beats Pablo 20, 31 to 6, and that's it, just like nothing. It's a the, hype, the
1: hype train is real,
0: yeah. The more, it is. yeah,
1: the more you get people interacting and caring about it and excited about it, that that is the, the 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 silver bullet to keep it going. And like, imagine if you're the league organizer, you're not the rapper, you're the guy spinning his shirt behind the rapper to make everybody excited about what's going on. That's the way you got to envision yourself.
0: Yeah, you're shooting the shirts into the stands. You're the cheerleader. <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: Uh, but, but, and ahead you ahead. have to be willing to help facilitate the communication. Um, Facebook, has, Facebook Messenger is an excellent tool at getting groups of people to talk to one another, even via just text messaging or whatever. So what I'll do at the beginning of each league is once the – once everybody settled in their own pod, once we do the the rankings and stuff like that, as I'll create a Facebook messenger group for those people in pod one and pod two and, and et cetera. Um, and just kindly encourage people to, you know, I, I highly encourage you to get your game scheduled as soon as you can at the beginning, because it's going to be, it's going to be a hustle at the last week. It always is always is. Uh,
0: so, so speaking of hyping um, let's talk about the power rankings. Keith, uh, because that was also, I agree with Reese, one of my favorite things about the league. Uh, so uh, talk about what the power rankings were um, and and how they kind of really sparked your league and bring it, brought it up to the next level.
2: Yeah, so th- this was totally Coop Juice's uh, um, imagination. He brought it over from one of his old gaming groups. Um, it was a totally uh, hashtag... Um, Fake facts, kind of a theme. He would he would take the top twenty four people in quotations in the league, and you'll go ahead and have some theme to it, like Power Rangers or animals or, or whatever. Silly Game thing. of Thrones. Yeah, like whatever, whatever kind of crosses mind that week, and he would shift people up and down loosely based on how well they did that week in their games. Or just, you know, he puts himself on the top because he thinks so highly of himself. You know, he was he was, was
1: always number one, regardless of what was <laughs>
2: happening. <laughs> I mean, he would be like outside of the top three pods and he was always number one. <laughs> so it, it was a great way to engage players to get them some something to get excited about. Um, sometimes the the uh, promotions and demotions within this power rankings w- was with reason was within certain reason, So it was fun to see names uh, start to slowly come up the rankings. Uh, we had one guy after we had to start putting new players to us at the very bottom of the league, he started nailing each pod because he, he came to us with a pretty good uh, head on the shoulders and uh, he <laughs> Coop did not think very highly of him. but then eventually he just started shooting up the ranks and it, it was, it was fun for that player to see himself go, go that high.
3: Okay. So I have a question, Keith, you know, how about somebody, uh, You know, because I know some leagues like back in the day, Games Workshop, for example, said like had some really cool like this is how to build a pyramid league or whatever. And they'd have like, you know, play your way to the top. And then when you get to the top and you're undefeated for a week or two in the top, then you get you have to start a new army and start from the bottom. Have you ever done that sort of thing with your league?
2: Uh, Not necessarily. Most of our players are at the top anyways, or a lot of our players have different armies to pick from. Um, if anything, more of the complaints I've heard is some of the people, more casual players who like the freedom to pick uh, a different army from game to game. Um, I mean, if a player continually does well with, uh, say Imperial Knights, um, I mean, good for them. Uh, eventually it might get bored. I know with me, when I was playing sixth edition Tau, uh, I got so bored of that army pretty quick. And I started picking up, uh, Dark Eldar back in sixth edition. Uh, that was a challenge, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, I don't want to force players to play a different army if they don't want to. Sometimes they can't even financially um, support a whole new army. You know, maybe this is the army that they put all their love and heart and paint into. Um, I'm not going to force them to do something different.
1: And that's a very, very good reason not to do it. You, you don't want to put up barriers to entry. You want to make it easy and welcoming and fun and create a sense of community. You want people to... To have a good time and the power rankings are a great example of that because cooper makes fun of everybody including himself and that's creates a sense of community it makes it fun right so the easier it is to participate the more you're going to succeed and the more you're going to grow
0: yeah i i've always i've always enjoyed power rankings uh coming from sports like nfl power rankings and stuff uh so when cooper did did those power rankings um, he very much drew inspiration from those as well. It was more analytical, uh, but I, I think the best thing about the power rankings was the fact that you got to analyze uh, win loss records. Uh, if Keith beat Junior, then due to tiebreakers, he would win the league. But he needs like Jordan to lose or something like that. It was it was always really cool, and then it was always there's there's always this air of uh, fun and camaraderie that we talked to as well. Uh, but it, The leagues do offer a unique opportunity to look at uh, how people progress through six weeks versus a tournament where we just have a snapshot at the end of the event. And if we're lucky, there's coverage that lets us kind of look at the narrative of the tournament, um, which I think is always the biggest driving factor for uh, a successful, fun tournament that people uh, look at uh, is, is how well was the narrative? How good was the narrative? How well was it spun? How well was it covered? Uh, with a 40K league, you kind of already get that built in. You just need to be a Cooper or a Keith or someone to go in there and kind of just all facilitate it and and grow it and talk about it. So leagues are great. Uh, if, if, you're li- if you're listening to this episode and, and you don't know how to run a league, but you have someone who can or does help them out, talk about it, get a league going in your local area, avoid that COVID-19, and of course... Don't forget to subscribe to the Frontline Gaming Network and listen to all the other podcasts while we struggle to talk about 40k tournaments as they slowly start to die out. So, for the month. They'll come back, I promise. But, alright. That's it. And end of the episode, we like to open the floor out to the patrons, so if you want to ask us questions that we answer live every episode, head on over to patreon.com slash tactics consider supporting the podcast and get your questions answered. All right. First patron question comes from us from Paul. When setting up a league, do you think that player factions should be locked to stop tailoring and on a more extreme scale locking lists? We kind of did address that, but Keith as the expert, what do you believe personally believe?
2: Well, as I was saying earlier in, in this cast, I, I don't believe in locking lists for that long length of a time, eight weeks, at least as long as our league is. Um, you could have, like I said earlier, two codexes. You could have three FAQs, sometimes even a chapter approved come out. Um, locking list is going to make list invalid by the, from the beginning to the end of the league. So I think that's a little too drastic and a little too extreme. Um, we found our sweet spot with at least declaring and sticking to a primary faction under the old ITC rules. So the largest attachment um, is, is your primary faction. Um, I mean, I've... You, you could definitely take it where, like, as Pablo was saying, it's the core 1,200 points. He always has a save 1,200 points. You could probably do something along those lines, maybe make that one primary detachment be the same models and same unit composition, and then the rest of the army is like a sideboard or something that can has the freedom to adjust um, on the release schedule from Games Workshop.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good point, too. I, I never thought about that. Uh, okay, uh, Patron John wants to uh, actually talk about Tyranids. He says Reese is constantly talking about his Tyranids having played ooh, and ooh, being good ooh. now, but he never talks about his list. Does anyone know what he's running and how it plays? Reese, don't answer that question because what? He's John started. Me. Hold on, hold on. The, the reason there's a very specific reason, which I'll explain right after this. John started an interesting, uh, an interesting conversation in this particular thread, and that's uh, basically how good Tyranids are doing right now. Um, there are Tyranids who are posting four and one records, uh, according to Peter the Falcon. Uh, Nids and Gene Circle actually have two of the best records so far in the post. Space Marine FAQ meta. Um it's still early, obviously, and we don't have as much of a sample size as we would normally around this time. But NIDs and Gene Circle do look really strong. Also, I did play you Reese, Nids look good. And the reason why is because I actually have a battle report that I'm gonna be putting spe- specifically to the patrons where I have Reese's list. I have my own list. <laughs> Just cause you beat me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I the Spoiler alert. However, I I, uh, uh, I, I want to give the patrons exclusive access to that. So if you want that, sign up for the Patreon. Get on that Facebook group. I'll be posting that this week. Also, I can't stop Reese talking about it on his on Signals from the Frontline. I'm sure Reese will talk about it in depth on Signals as well. But that's I'm, it. I, I actually
1: am so sorry for the spoiler alert. I didn't realize it was. No, no
0: worries. It's all good. It's all it's all good. But um, it, the outcome of the I, I've already spoiled the outcome. However, the outcome doesn't even begin to tell the story of th- that game. Uh, and to give you a bit of a sp- uh, a preview or sneak peek, uh, it was a very close game. Uh, Reese, uh, Reese Tyrannids looked really good. He brought some units that I absolutely did not expect to uh, that w- would be that powerful. And also, I played the mean nasty current bad boys of the meta the raven guard uh and i kind of i i deployed very aggressively and if you had looked at the game uh, from the first picture you would think that i would get crushed uh just looking at reese's list and and if you know a little bit about tyranids um and it turned out to be a really close uh, back and forth game um with a lot of uh, with a lot of counterplay it was a very fun game
1: it was it was a uh, very very good game and <clears throat> i didn't know who was gonna win it until the very end. I, th- I thought I thought I was gonna pull a rabbit out of a hat, but I did not. Um, mm. Sorry to spoil that, but it, it's it's a very good game, and it illustrates that Tyranids, especially post Space Marine FAQ, and even better post uh, Psychic Awakening Chapter approved and ITC missions for the new season, Tyranids have everything you need to win the game
0: absolutely i i space marines are obviously really powerful um i, I also have experience in particular with raptors cuz i've been playing them uh ba- basically since i could legally play them um so raptors are uh they're very very good i've a lot of experience with that army in particular and i definitely saw the power that tyranids brought to the table and i can see why um why people why tyranids could steal wins from from good space marine players so for sure yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Patron Kane wants to know what's a good minimum amount of players for starting a league, and amount of time and games to include. My media area has a small amount of players, but I usually travel a fair distance for tournaments.
2: Honestly, my going. first. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you. Go ahead. You're the expert.
1: I would just say really quickly: you can start with like three, four people. Like, don't yeah. don't set a don't set a, a bottom. Just get some momentum, and focus yeah. on making sure everybody has fun. And from there, you'll, you'll, you'll build mountains. Like, don't, don't worry about if there's three or four of you, who cares? Make sure everybody has a blast, and they'll tell people, and before you know it, your league will be gigantic.
3: I want to mimic that. Just get started. The same with running like a tournament. If you're worried about people showing up, just do it. Then the first tournament, you might have you know, 10, 12 people or whatever, or maybe less. Play it. Have fun. Run a good event. Run a good league. Not an event right now, of course, but I mean, run a good league. And just like, you know, uh, Reese is saying, yes, it will grow. And because you're doing it in cycles, the league cycle will allow people to be like, oh, when does the next one start? Well, it starts in two weeks. Okay, cool. Let's let's uh, join up for that one.
2: Yeah, and and honestly, like what they were saying, you can start and any number of people. Um, I already had a decent gaming group going into this when I took on the responsibility. So I was able to build on upon that. Um, I think some people even take in my format and started their first league with over 48 people. I mean, the sky is the limit at this point, but do not feel afraid. You can start small, um, just start getting your word of mouth out there and start building, building your foundation to ultimately bring in more players. And I'll tell you what, us nerds love our stats. So just be organized, get the the information out there and you'll bring the players to you. Especially Uh. now
1: with people looking for something to fill the gap left by um, the lack of tournaments for people that are affected by COVID-19, where they can't or choose not to play. This is a wonderful opportunity to fill that uh, vacuum.
0: All right, uh, Patron Josh wants to know, uh, any tips for dealing with scrutiny from community members? I'm the first person to do it in my state, uh, run a league in my state, and I'm not affiliated with a business or store. It's been going really well. However, I have had scrutiny from people about what I do with the money. I try to be transparent with 50% divided into price support and 50% invested in training mats to help our grow a competitive scene, but I still deal with scrutiny. So, Keith.
2: Well, eh... Honestly, you, you, it sounds like you're being as transparent as you can. I've been the same way with, with my players. Um, uh, we announce how much each player is getting at the end of each league. Um, everybody can add up the totals. Um, I, I, I'm very clear about how much money is going. We're being hosted by a store, so they'll take part of it, which is fine. Um, and then some of, it, some of the money we'll go ahead and keep aside for our uh, biannual single elimination mini tournament that we host. Um, so everything is out there and transparent as you can. I mean, your case with uh, the terrain, what you could probably even do is even post receipts. Like this is the money. This is how much I spent allocating towards uh, building the table space that you guys can utilize in my league. Um, I, that would be my advice.
0: Hmm. Also, Josh, uh, you can also head over to. Uh, you can email orders at frontlinegaming.org. We do offer to discounts and also now lo discounts. Uh, just email me. Let me know what you want, and if I can save you some money, maybe you can throw some money that way towards the prize support uh, or or convert that to cash in your pocket to help pay for a little bit of gas or whatever. Um, But that is also a good idea.
1: Yeah, and one more thing on that point, if you don't mind, Pablo. Go ahead. uh, As I tell people all the time, because I give a lot of my time to help people get these things going, like leagues, tournaments, whatever, and one of my first pieces of advice always is that we all come into this because we love it. We, we, we value the community. We feel like this enriches our lives and we want to give back. But I tell people every single time, do not be afraid to take a fair amount for your time, right? If you're like a Keith or a Cooper and you're giving hours of your week, every single week, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, you're performing a service, for other people. And that that's its own reward. But if you need to justify those hours to your significant other, to whatever the case may be, uh, if you need to take some of that money for gas, for lunch, whatever, do it. You want to have skin in the game so that you are give a sustainable system that you can do year in and year out and not just be a flash in the pan and do it for a year or two years to six months and then stop doing it. That's not being of best service to your community. If you take a little bit and you're transparent, like, hey guys, I'm spending out of pocket two, 300 bucks a league to make this all happen because I take tremendous joy out of it, but I think it's fair to be compensated for my time. Do it and be, be transparent. So don't, don't be don't shy away from that. And that's one of the things I encounter all the time when I talk to people that are in this. They give, 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 and then they burn out and then they stop giving. So set up a sustainable model, right, where where you're taking care of everybody around you, but you're also taking care of yourself at least to the minimum degree.
0: Beautiful. Um, <clears throat> all right, uh, next question. Uh, Derek wants to know how to run a league on BCP. Ooh, Keith, this is you, baby. I was told <laughs> just like a long event, but this may not be the case. Let's get it set in stone, on air, on a podcast, officially from ITC correspondent, Keith Barry, how do you get a league running on BCP?
2: All right, in all honesty, I really don't think BCP can support a league as it stands right now. Sorry, guys. Now, however, they do have a manual submission form where you can upload the, inf- the results from your league and you can submit it through their own software and they'll go ahead and, and input the ITC scores as it stands. So there is a simple solution. Boom,
0: done. Uh, also, I'm sure you can email the BCP guys uh, support at bestcoastbearings.com. They might be able to help you out. They probably will be able to help you out. All right, Patron Tim wants to know: other than Bally's, what casino have we visited the most in Vegas, and why? That's a really good question. Is that a me
1: question, Pablo? Or... That's a
0: that's an us question, I think.
1: I mean, the, the only other one we've been to is the Flamingo, mm. and uh, based on the feedback of all of you wonderful, lovely customers, we didn't go back. <laughs> And To be fair, though, this was they, they've renovated since, so it's it's much nicer now. Um, and we'll be at Bally's for one more year, and then after that, we're changing venues. Um, mm. But this the sky's the limit. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh,
0: I think that's.
2: I, I think he wants to know as a new resident of Vegas. Yeah, I am actually <laughs>
0: so so I, I visit the Strip a lot more than Reese. Uh, I'm five minutes away from the Strip. Five oh, minutes just, away
1: did he mean strip. us personally?
0: And yeah, Reese is uh, also oh. ancient, so he doesn't yeah.
2: do that shit anymore.
0: Yeah. So so um. <laughs> My bad, my bad. He gets up early in the morning, goes uh, to the grocery store to buy (laughs) stuff. I actually uh, actually don't go to Bally's at all whenever I I recreationally go to the strip. I I actually don't go to Bally's at all. I I know it like the back of my hand. And to me, I associate Bally's with work, uh, with walking around endlessly talking to nerds and getting absolutely sick. So... Uh, my favorite casino is actually go to go to is actually Planet Hollywood. Uh, I, I feel like it's got the best food. It's got the, the coolest mall, and, and then of course um, it's a Caesars Entertainment Group uh, casino, um, which means that we have special perks with them because we work with them and run the LBO and stuff. So I go to go to Planet Hollywood. That would be my suggestion for a casino.
1: When I'm not doing the early bird special um, at the Bingo Parlor. I like to go to the Cosmo. That is that is that's my favorite. The Cosmo is my favorite to go. You know, have a good have a hoot. And uh, (laughs) hilariously, I called them. I called them for a quote on what it would take to run an event there. Just I knew it would be out of our budget, but I was just just like, hey, let's just find out. And um, the number that they gave me was so ludicrous that in I don't I would say forty out of fifty states in the United States of America, you could buy a very nice house. For the down payment, for the down payment on an event there.
2: <laughs> not, not in California though, right? You, wait, no, wait, no, on, no. Reese. In California, you could buy a
1: doghouse. house but...
0: Reese, why don't you ask them now? I'm now sure. is the time to try. Like, I like where you're at, Pablo. <laughs> oh, it is not a great time to be an event fruit. coordinator in so the United States. So big hotel. States. I, I would feel like so to bad. Run an event with lots of
3: people. <laughs>
1: I have such tremendous empathy for anybody that is a bartender, a server, uh, is in the the hospitality industry and the service industry. Yeah. Like we have, we are thinking about you right now and we're hoping so much that you can pull through this because, oh, it's so tough for them right now.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Okay. Uh, Ian, coming from the same league, is the pod or rank style league something that is better for a league setup or even tournament setup as the hobby grows? Uh, I'll actually answer this one. Um, I actually think with Nova, because Nova does uh, break people down into pods af- after uh, day two, um, I actually think it is a really good setup. Uh, th- we also saw the Atlanta Open run last year as well, uh, kind of uh, tried to seed players. And I th- I love the idea of tournaments seeding players um not only from a narrative perspective, uh, but also just as a, an overall health to tournament forty k. Uh, so yes, I, I think I think it's better personally.
1: Do you do you mind a counterpoint on that? Yeah, go ahead. So that my my one uh, criticism of a pod system or a, a whatever you want to call it is that every single time I've gone to Nova, my goal has been to get into the top eight, and I've I've been lucky enough to achieve it. And then I've traditionally lost my first or second game once I get into the pod, and then I just stop playing, right? Because there's no more incentive to keep going. And all the time, I'll get like 15th, 14th, 16th, whatever, 13th, whatever the case may be, out of 256 or now 300. And people that went like seven and one will be below me. And I'm like, thats that doesn't seem fair to me that I mm-hmm. went four and one and somebody else went seven in one, and I was above them, that doesn't seem fair to me
0: at all. Like, huh, That's a good point.
1: And I've done it literally every single year, and I'm, I don't know what that, how that reflects on me as a person, but um, my goal has always just been to make the top eight to prove a point for whatever reason. Whereas if you have a last-person standing format, like a Kumite, everyone ends up where they are relative to everyone else. It's egalitarian as much as it can be so that, that's my only critique of that system is that it may be more efficient from a tournament organization standpoint I don't feel like the rankings reflect the achievement of the players
4: hmm.
3: capitalist at heart nice. capitalist at heart <laughs>
1: I can't help it, you. Right.
0: They're, they're both good points. America! <laughs> um, okay, uh, t- patron Tyler wants to know what is the airspeed of an unladen Falcon? Uh, <laughs> a counterpoint for you, Tyler a uh, Chapter Tactian Falcon or a 40k Stat Centurion Falcon? Uh, okay, either way. Oh a a, a, a uh, Chapter Tactician Falcon has an airspeed velocity of 240 miles per hour. Boom. Done. Or.
2: Boom goes the dynamite.
3: Uh, I'm
0: American, so I don't... I don't. They now went to the pit of doom, and you've killed everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, patron Dan wants to know, because I think we all need a break from the craziness. If you could nominate one being or entity from the Florida universe to run for... Pre- no, we'll say run for world the world leader not not, world just, not just domination. Uh, run, for, run for archon the Skari. The world uh, uh, one being an entity uh, from the 40k universe who would it be and what would their campaign slogan be does anyone want to take this <laughs> i'm i vote gilliman and, and it, it simply and simply it would it would just be we're we're going to be ultramar that's no, it. Dude, that would that's be terrible done that's uh, you know what there's a Here's a bolter. Go fight for the Imperium. Be, before before we before we go on to it. let me ask you one thing. If you could pick any place to live in the 40K universe, it would yeah. be Ultramar. <laughs> the, have, webway. The, the, web <laughs> the Webway? The Webway. 100% the Webway. Where demons and mandrakes and... Which uh, no, plane? the demons
3: and mandrakes don't live in the
0: Webway. Yes, they, they do. The, no, they don't. <laughs> demons live in the Warp. The okay, Webway is who, between the real plane and the Warp. Who would you pick, warp? Mr. Archon? To uh, run the world, the Almighty Vect. Yeah, oh, that'd be awful. That'd be
1: aw- That'd be worse than what we've got now. That'd be terrible. Hey, he's
0: listening. I mean, <laughs> I mean if, if he knows what I'm matter. saying, <laughs> he, he would bet the Earth, planet Earth, in like some sort of convoluted plan. To yeah, the to, Earth is <clears throat> like yet yeah, a tiny little speck on a dead bug's eye in the ocean. All right, Reese.
1: You- the, the answer is obvious. The one true hero of the 41st millennium. The one person that fought for the people's rights, the Red Gobo, who led the Gretchen <laughs> Rebellion
3: <laughs> to
1: fight for the rights of the Grodd,
4: who was suppressed.
3: Only, only to be outdone by Maliki or whatever, who's like right next to Gasgo being like, what up,
1: suckers? Dude, the Red Keep Gobo up. fought, he fought for the people, all right? That's the clear choice.
2: Mm, Keith, Oh, <laughs> Uh Ah, you know what? <laughs> 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 I, 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 I don't know. Reese just kind of took. We're all going to no, die in the 40th beautiful. millennium. <laughs>
0: All I mean, right, let's go ahead and move on from that then. Uh, if you Actually, if you're on YouTube, if you're on FrontlineGaming.org, uh, Spotify, we do have a comment section. Why don't you go on there and let us know who you think would be the best world leader in the 40K universe for planet Earth. I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on that. Okay, uh, patron Owen actually has uh, probably the... The que- the uh, I I don't want to say it'll trigger Reese, but um, it's definitely something we've been getting a lot of questions about. Um, it is a little bit more of a serious topic. But Owen wants to know: Is it time to cancel all ITC scoring events to discourage physical mingling? Uh, we just entered man- mandated isolation uh, in the Bay Area, encouraging folks to go to tournaments right now. In uh, his opinion, is unethical, and ITC has the power to do something about it, however small it may seem. Um, however, th- this is. Oh, an interesting talking point and it is something that i personally have been reached out to about i know reese has as well uh what what is your kind of stance reese on that
1: it's a, a very good question it's a very topical question and if the itc only existed in the bay area or any place has been quarantined the answer would be obviously yes right we would without hesitation without a moment of second thought we would say hey guys we're gonna or gals as well we're going to suspend this until the experts tell us that we should continue. But the ITC is not a regional uh, uh, organization anymore. It's a global organization. So, <clears throat> what, I, what I've tried to explain to people, and I, I fully understand the fact that people are very emotionally charged right now, people are scared, and that's a normal and fair reaction to the circumstances that we're in, is that ask yourself, is it fair? to tell somebody who's been planning an event for a year or more that's in a place that has zero COVID-19 or coronavirus, is it fair to tell that person that we're arbitrarily saying that their event no longer scores points, right? Or in a place where they're coming out of the, the scary part, right? Like parts of Asia seem like that's where they're at. Is it fair to tell them, we are arbitrarily taking away your ability to score points for your event, you've invested time, energy, and money into that. Your attendees have invested time, energy, and money into uh, because people in the Bay Area can't score points. To me, the obvious answer is that that is not fair. It's not logical, and it's not fair. So, taking into a to perspective that this is a global organization with people in a variety of different situations, uh, the the clear answer to us is that everybody that is participating should follow the, the instructions of their local ordinance, the local government, the experts, and that they should do what they are being told to do. Should they cancel their event if they're being told to? Yes, they should. If they're being told no, they shouldn't, proceed and have fun. For those of us who are trying to find a middle ground, play in a league. To me, that's the only fair way to do this without throwing the baby out with the bathwater.
0: Yeah, and like we said, this is it's a very emotionally charged uh, topic right now. It it is one that I've seen a lot of personal friends get into arguments about, uh, not just forty k related, uh, but I I think I think right now it's best, uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, just to keep a level head. Um, you know, focus on doing what's best for you and your family, um, or for you personally, uh, and just you know, like we'll, we'll get through this together. Don't be don't be dicks to each other.
1: Stay calm and be kind to your neighbor. Instead of hoarding the toilet paper, give your neighbor some toilet
0: paper. Yeah, Dark Angels players. I know what you're trying well, to first do. First
3: of all, you know that the one thing you're going to need is a towel. <laughs> a
0: tabo. A
3: Filipino. A, a, t- a towel. A towel. A tabo. towel, towel. A on, towel and it. a tabo. For all my, you know, you know,
0: mm-hmm. you know, other than the number 42, the two things that you need. <laughs> Fair. All right. Uh, Kelsey wants to know, patron Kelsey wants to know, how do you feel about slow growth campaigns to ease new players into 40k? If you do like them, how many points do you recommend starting at and how fast should point
2: cap go up? Um, so uh, I, Go ahead. Uh, yeah, at, the, at the beginning of my league, we, we did have a pod dedicated for people who were brand new to the hobby who didn't quite have the capability of having a full 2,000 points, which is what the rest of our league plays at. Um, and, and the way we did with them um is we allowed them to dictate how many points that the two opponents wanted to bring to the table um that that's one that's one format we did i mean you could have people start at 500 points and maybe um i don't know maybe maybe every other week you get another 250 points thrown in there um definitely gauge it based upon your player base um kind of area you're living in uh Get feedback from your players. See how fast they want to go or how slow they want to go. Your player base is ultimately who you want to be ha- be happy with what you're doing. So, they are the ones who are going to be making the decisions for you.
0: Hmm. All right. And then finally, Patron Josh asking the important questions. Do you think Frontline will have internet faster in light of this panic? <laughs>
1: Oh gosh, that's too real. <laughs> oh god, get the yeah. get the the death claws digging trenches so they can lay down fiber optic <laughs> to our building. I no, I, I if anything, I anticipate it's going to be slower. It's so, Pablo. You you can. I'm sure you've been saying it, but how frustrating is this?
0: It's it's really really frustrating. Um, so what we're talking about if you don't listen to signals from the front line and you're listening to this podcast, first off, go listen to signals from the front line. When I'm on it, it's hilarious. Uh, but <laughs> essentially, uh, we've been we've been kind of waiting patiently for uh, internet to be wired to our building in Boulder City, Nevada, uh, and it has been a circus of of uh, issues and red tape and documents um, just to simply get internet to our building so we can run our operate our business out of it. Something that you would think in the 21st century uh, would be very easily obtainable. The um, internet has gone into self-isolation
1: <laughs> it has. Also moved yeah, to yeah,
2: boulder like, um, nevada i <laughs> it mean knew, it knew about the
0: virus and <laughs> you about the virus way before any of us uh, but, but joking aside um i, I don't i don't want to throw stones i don't i don't want to i don't, I don't want to accuse anyone um city council or or companies or anything like that i don't know what the delays are causing all i do know is my mobile hotspot data is adding up uh, every every week, um, and we've been waiting since last year. No, we've been waiting uh, waiting
1: since uh, uh, November.
0: Like at least October, November. Yeah, of last October, year. November. Yeah. Yeah, it, we've been waiting since October November of last year. Um, that was when we 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 told them we needed internet and the paperwork was filed and everything. That was when we got the ball rolling, um, and then you know. Uh, several Deathclaw infestations in Boulder City later, uh, we still don't have it. So, um, it, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I'm actually very, and and this is uh, kudos to the whole Frontline team, I'm actually very, very proud of us and our ability to kind of handle this. Uh, it, it makes me feel better knowing that we have a group of amazing people, men and women, who, who can run a company and, and provide customer service and do everything that we need to with, with little to no internet access. So, um you know it's it's been pretty cool it showed a little bit about who i am and, and my work ethic and also uh, my bosses and and my co-workers so it's been pretty yeah. great
1: it's also been really frustrating but you're right it's been
0: really <laughs> it's great so, <laughs> uh, adversity makes boys into men reese
1: builds character for sure it
0: does, it does. it's one All more right. it's one okay. more
1: chapter in the the, the saga
0: the long saga. All right. Well, that's it. That's the episode. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. You are all the best listeners in the world. And if you're interested in hearing more from our co-hosts, Skari, where can they get you?
3: You can get me at the end of the webway. Uh, head on over to Skardcast on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Also, find me on The Art of War, where I am at your service for list-building advice and all professional coaching
0: Mm. and then ratio i'm sure they can get you other than angry personal emails about nerving tau where else can they find you
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh you can find me signals from the frontline which is our weekly topical 40k podcast not nearly as cool as chapter tactics but twice as nice Mm -hmm. and uh, you can also find us at frontlinegaming.org i also want to throw out a second nomination for 40k personality to dominate the world
0: go ahead uh, let's hear it if,
1: if we're not going to have freedom with the red gobo uh, we might as well have fun with doom rider, <laughs> <okay>. vroom, vroom. <laughs> doom rider. the end will be a good time
3: <laughs> uh, okay, I hope okay. You hear this so in the story who 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 got rid of him
1: uh it was a white scars captain i think it was uh uh, God, who it was a White Scars character that finally did him off.
3: He's like, death to Nicholas Cage! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Such a good character, so sad. He was an 80s child. <laughs> he, 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 he's going the way of the boomer, you know? What can we say?
3: Oh, man, it just reminds me of how much fun we used to have uh, with uh, Grimdark back in the day. <laughs> it was less grim and less dark.
0: <laughs> and all the funsies. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Keith? Is there any plugs? you wanna you wanna plug?
2: I'm a mere humble pleb nerd. I don't have all these fancy websites and YouTube channels, but you can still find me on Facebook either at Keith Berry, or you can go and find my uh, league page at At Ease Games Warhammer 40k. Just go ahead and answer the questions. Be be honest. Say you want to learn more about how to build your own league, and I'll be like accept. Um, but feel feel free to reach out to me on Messenger, and I'll I'll, I'll be willing to answer any questions. He will
3: always be there for your line of sight related quarries. No, 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 no. 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 (laughs) Especially at
1: 9.30 p.m.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. At all hours of the night,
0: who can you call? Keith. Keith. No. Keith Barry. Not us.
1: Not us. (laughs) Keith.
0: (laughs) And finally, uh, check out the Tahoe Crown GT in Lake Tahoe. California? Like Tahoe's in California? Yes. Right? It, it's yes. Reno, it's Reno
1: and Tahoe. It's, it's oh, Nevada okay. and California.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, it, on the West Coast, Tahoe Crown GT, official sponsor of Chapter Tactics. It's going to be 40 Players Max held in late June. Hopefully, the cor- it won't get coronavirus did. Although, if it does, I'm sure the, a wonderful TO will make sure everyone is accommodated. But however, they are sponsoring the podcast. So, Check out the Tahoe Crown GT Tahoe Crown GT if you're in on the West Coast. Tickets are almost sold out. All right. Thank you so much for listening. You're all the best listeners in the world, and as always, have a good one. Bye. Bye.